Crossroads, you guys can go ahead and take a seat. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? Good morning. Good morning. Before, uh, before I begin, um, I do want to let you know, if you hear my voice straining or cracking uh, right now, I, I want to explain why that is. Um, it's the month of October. And one thing you may or may not know about the month of October is it's the overlap month in the sporting world. All right. See where I'm going with this? So um, in October, we have every major uh, team sport playing at the same time. So football, basketball, soccer, hockey, right? Um, And then um, baseball. So as you know, as you know, um, if you guys know me, uh, you you know that I'm a big sports fan. And our New York teams, one way or the other, have given me much to yell about. Okay? Either happily yell about or not so happily yell about um, in some cases. So, um, So if you guys hear a little bit of straining, admittedly, that's why. So um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them, turn them on, power them up, uh, whatever you have to do to Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. And um, one thing people have asked me in the past is they're like, well, Kyle, doesn't it, doesn't it sound weird when you say turn on your Bible? <laughs> um, and, and I say, no, of course not. Nothing warms my soul more than to see the warm glow of God's word on your face as you sit in, in, in your seat today. Okay, if you have your Bible on your phone. So um, nothing warms my heart more than to see that on your face as you, as you have the word open. So whatever kind of Bible you have, however you have to do it, go ahead and open up. Matthew 5, verse 33 um, is where we're going to begin. And um, it should be on the screen behind me, too, if, if you don't have a Bible. Um, let's read the text. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all. Either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Church, when I was first given this passage to preach, I was both excited and nervous. Excited because this passage comes from an area in in the scriptures, a part of the Bible that I'm already uh, relatively familiar with, the the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Nervous, though, because although I was familiar with this passage, and although I thought I fully understood the commands of Jesus, I knew deep down that I probably didn't really fully get what Jesus was saying here in this passage. Um, You see, I'm a type A driven personality. Um, I place a high value on commitments and on loyalty. And when you read Matthew 5, 33 through 37, it seems to fit in well with somebody that has a personality like mine, especially the part about let your yes be yes and your no be no. And so on the surface, it sounds like the main thing Jesus is trying to do is to instill in us a sense of black and white compliance to keep a rule, Um, something admittedly I value. And for those of you that know me and that are close to me, you know that is true. Um, But as I studied this passage and as I brought in other pastors, scholars, Bible teachers uh, into the process, I began to see that Jesus desires so much more, so much more than the outward appearance of keeping our commitments. Um, So I'm excited to share some of these truths with you this morning. So let's go ahead and jump in. Um, Some as I was uh, doing study for the sermon, some key themes seemed to be highlighted to me. Uh, One of them was the importance of truthfulness. All right, Jesus is saying like, why it's important to tell the truth and, and to be a truthful person. Uh, why keeping promises matter. The reality that lying exists, that's in here, okay? Because Jesus wouldn't be teaching about telling the truth if the reality didn't exist that we have a hard time with that. And then also um, the effects of dishonesty. So what does dishonesty do 
in, in our lives and in our communities. And so as I was thinking through all these things, it kind of led me to ask a question that I want to ask you guys this morning. And that is, why is it important to God that our yes be yes and our no be no? Like, why is that so important? And I think the answer that Jesus is giving us in this section of the Sermon on the Mount is this. It's important to God that our yes be yes and that our no be no, because the kingdom life is the life of truth. The kingdom life is the life of truth. Uh, Jesus here is speaking to his disciples in a very familiar phrase. You've heard it said, but now I say to you. If you've been here a couple weeks at Crossroads, you've heard this before. If you remember Matthew 5, verse 20, Jesus actually tells the people listening to him that unless their righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, they will not enter his kingdom. Shocking statement to Jewish people at that time. Shocking statement. Um, And it should also make us consider. And so in the past few weeks, uh, if you've been here at Crossroads, you know Pastor Will, he has been showing us example after example of what it looks like to live a kingdom life. And today we arrive at Jesus's fourth example of what it looks like to have a life whose righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And so in this section of of his sermon, Jesus brings up the issue of making oaths. Hang with me, we'll get there. Because <laughs> I know everybody is immediately thinking, well, I don't, I don't make oats. Like, so, so, I, you know, so I can tune out. It's, it's cool. Um, hang with me. Matthew five thirty three. let's look at it again. It says, Again you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. So the religious leaders, um, they're also called Pharisees and or scribes. Um, they were known for making oaths frequently to qualify their statements. So, what they, so the reason they did this, in case you're wondering, they, they, would, they would make oaths when they say something. And they did this to give the outward appearance of making a binding statement. So they were giving the outward appearance that, hey, this is a binding statement because I'm swearing by Jerusalem that what I'm telling you is true. Or I'm swearing by heaven or, or something like that. Um, However, in reality, these oaths were actually designed to be loopholes for the Pharisees to not be held accountable for their statements. So you see what they're doing here. Like like they're making a statement that sounds as if it's authoritative and binding, but they've created a loophole now to where they can say, oh, well, actually, you know, that that wasn't a legit oath. (laughs) Um, So so what I said doesn't have to hold true. Here's an example. A Pharisee can make an oath in the name of heaven and not invoke God's name. Therefore, being relieved of the duty to fulfill the oath and not break the law um, because they they thought they had discovered a loophole. But Jesus, when he encounters this, he says these oaths, like he hears this happening, he sees this happening. He says, no, 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 no. He says these oaths are, in fact, binding because the things that you're swearing by all belong to God. And to take it further, we could say the whole universe belongs to God. So Jesus says that instead, his people should never make an oath by anything, because in doing so, we're bringing God into that oath. Because God created all things. And as my daughter would say, and all his creation was very good. (laughs) And so even if someone thinks that they can make an oath on themselves to avoid bringing God into the oath, Jesus counters that argument too. Just look at verse 36. He says, and do not take an oath by your head. For you cannot make one hair white or black. Jesus says that God is sovereign over even the hairs on our head, or whether or not we have hair on our head. 
Some of you guys are nodding. Um, I know this is true personally. Um, my forehead gets bigger every year, just a little bit. All right, just a little bit, okay? So, so I, I know this is true. Um, I've looked at old pictures and I'm like, whoa. But I'm not sovereign over that. I have no control over that. Jesus does. Then Jesus concludes this passage with these words in verse 37. He says, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Now, just to be clear, in case, in, in case you're wondering, um, Jesus is not saying that all oaths are evil. He's not saying all oaths are evil. In fact, later in his ministry, Jesus actually testified under oath to the high priest. And the apostle Paul, who wrote um, a substantial portion of the New Testament, he called God as his witness to things several times throughout his ministry and in his writing. Um, what Jesus is saying, though, is that when an oath becomes an occasion to lie or to deceive, that's when Jesus strictly forbids it. He says, if your oath is an occasion to, to form a loophole where, where you can get around the truth, then I'm forbidding it. Jesus is not against oaths. He's against the abuse of oaths. And so when Jesus says that we should answer people with a yes or with a no, it's a reminder, it should be a reminder to us that oaths or qualifying statements should not be necessary um, to make what you're saying true. A yes from a Christian should be a yes. Nothing more, nothing less. Conversely, when we say no, that's what we should mean. No. Think about it this way. If you had a friend that was always qualifying his or her statements um, to you, every time, they, every time they told you something, they were qualifying it uh, with some sort of oath or swearing by something um, to make you think that they're more believable, wouldn't it get really tiring to try to discern when they're actually telling the truth? I mean, wouldn't that, wouldn't that get old? What if one time, what if you had a friend that did this, and then one time they did not qualify their statement with an oath, or, 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 or they didn't call God as their witness to something they were telling you? Would you believe them then? Like, like, how, like, how is that a way to, to live and to conduct yourselves? Like, this would be the grown-up equivalent of having your fingers crossed behind your back when you're saying something, right? If you have kids, you know this. That somehow they learn this. I don't know where they learn it. Um, I, yeah, I blame daycare. But, um, but, but, but somehow, somehow they know that they say, well, you know, I'm like, no, we don't play that. Um, but based on the Pharisees' actions of using oaths as a loophole to deceive people, Jesus could legitimately say that anything beyond a yes or no would be done from an evil motive. Because the motives aren't pure, right? When you're trying to, to have a loophole in, in a binding statement that you're making, like, it shows that your, motive, your motives aren't pure. And so that's why G Jesus says, all of this comes from evil. So now that we've walked through the, those, those four verses, um, verse by verse, let's try to think about, and, and I want us to think about together, like how we might actually flesh this out in our everyday lives. Like how can we live this teaching? And I believe that this passage gives us two points of application for how to live a kingdom life of truth. Um, so if you're taking notes, this is point number one. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Although he's talking about oaths specifically, Jesus is primarily dealing with the issue of truth. The primary, the primary way that we can live a kingdom life of truth is by being people who tell the truth. I heard one Bible teacher say that our biggest danger when we read this passage is to simply ignore it. And, and, and you're looking and you're saying, like, well, why would we ignore that? Well, in our world and in the church, it seems like people tell white lies regularly. 
And it seems like there, there's sort of a justification for it oftentimes. And so it's easy for us to read this and go, this is like pretty extreme teaching because, you know, like sometimes you can't exactly say. And, and so we start justifying it and we start talking about uh, why, why it's okay for us to not follow this teaching. Um, it's a danger to us when we read this and we go, you know, like white lies aren't really a big deal. Um, but church, like the, the question that I, I had to ask myself and, and that I would ask us today is like, how can this be no big deal when the God we proclaim to follow is truth? Um, Jesus Christ is the truth. Um, how can his people not be a people of truth? I mean, how can we not be? Um, the book of James picks up on Jesus' teaching um, in James 5.12. Uh, and this is James writing, and he says, but above all my brothers, he's, he's talking to Christians, he's, he says, above all my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, sound familiar, or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Um, that last part's interesting and hard to read. James warns us that we will fall under condemnation for a lack of truthfulness in our lives. Uh, one Bible scholar, um, he said this, he said, Christians ought to be honest in all of our speech. So that way, when we make an affirmation or a denial, people will know unquestionably that it's the truth. Um, but I'm afraid we don't always tell the truth. Here's, here's some examples. Um, who here ever hears politicians or pundits? Maybe this is on like a, a talk radio, if that's your thing, or like on a news show or on the Internet. And you hear politicians or political pundits, and they speak about an issue, but they're doing so with very elaborate language, very vague language, and a lot of ambiguity and, and what you might call double speak. Um, so that really, at the end of the day, you can't pin them down on one position. You guys ever heard this? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I hear this all the time. And it's like, what did that person even say? Because um, they'll talk for like two minutes on CNN or Fox News or pick your flavor. Like, and, 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 and it'll basically be at the end, you're like, what did they even like? Like, why do, I have no idea where they stand on this issue. Um, well, there's a reason for that. Who here is afraid to tell your boss or someone you love um, you're afraid to use the word no? Because you always feel like it has to be yes. Um, you feel like you have to say yes to someone you love or somebody who's in authority over you, knowing the whole time that you really mean no, but you say yes anyway. Um, who here exaggerates the amount of time the train was delayed in the morning so you can get away with a late excuse at work? But you know, you know, I know. The truth is you lounged around in your bed looking at Instagram for an extra five minutes, which made you seven minutes late getting out the door, and then because you didn't sprint to the train, you missed it and you had to wait 10 more minutes on the train. So you said the train was late by 20 minutes, <laughs> um, which, which, which you know isn't the truth. Who here tells your children, if you have kids, who here tells your children things that are not entirely true just to end a conversation? Anybody been there? It's like, we're going to end this conversation now. Like, here's such and such. Or to prevent a temper tantrum or a meltdown in a public place because it might be embarrassing to you. So we don't tell the truth. We, we, we tell them something that's not true to, to stop it. Who here filters their lifestyle, their looks, their feelings, or their desires on social media, or when you're catching up with a friend, um, all the while keeping the real you kind of hidden 
and, and, and away and at length. Um, who overpromises with their words and underdelivers with their actions on the regular? You see, church, we're all guilty of not telling the truth. Um, we could go on. There, there could be more examples. Um, I struggle with this too, despite my best efforts. Um, and, and church, I'm, I'm just convinced it's only by God's grace that I do not admit the truth as much as I could, that I do not bend it as much as I could. It's only by his grace, um, his restraining grace, uh, that that's possible. And so this passage to me is a, a strong reminder of how much we all need God's grace in our lives every single day. Um, you might be asking, well, well, some of those examples were kind of silly. Some of those didn't make sense. Why does this really matter? Um, here's why it matters, church. It matters because lies hurt. Because lies hurt. Um, everyone in here, in one way or another, has felt the betrayal of a lie. And why does a lie betray us so much? Like, why does it do that? It's because we trusted somebody. We trusted somebody to tell us the truth. At work, a lie can lead to the termination of employment. In relationships, it can lead to a breakdown in friendships and marriages and family dynamics. Um, a lie in society can lead to cynicism and a lack of trust in leaders. In the church, it can lead to people leaving the fellowship and possibly the faith itself. In the world, it can damage our witness as Christians to others, causing them to reject Christ based on the caricature of Jesus that we've presented through an untruthful lifestyle. Uh, the kingdom life is a life of telling the truth because our God is a God of truth. The second kind of application point for us today, uh, the first one was tell the truth. The second one is live in truth. Live in truth. A second way we can live out this teaching is to live in the truth. This goes kind of from, if the first one is what we say, tell the truth, what we say, this one is what we do. Um, part of letting our yes be yes and our no be no is to follow up our words with actions that mirror what we say. Um, I'll be honest, as a millennial, somebody that's born between uh, 1980 and 2000, my generation's the worst. Like, like we are the worst at doing this. The worst. Um, there's actually been a, a term coined uh, because of how bad we are at this. Like, like there's actually like a word for this uh, that didn't exist before. Um, let's see if you know the term. Uh, that, that person never does what they say they're going to do. They never do what they say they're going to do. They're flaky. You guys ever heard that term? They're flaky? Um, church. Christians should never be considered flaky. We should never be considered flaky. It's an offense to God. We should never be considered flaky people. A flaky Christian is an oxymoron. Which basically means it's two, it, there's two things that don't go together. They're incompatible. <laughs> um, the word flaky and Christian, those two things in the same sentence are incompatible. They do not go together. Um, let's look at some examples and implications of, of being flaky. Parents, when you RSVP to attend another child's birthday party, make sure you attend. And make sure you're there when you said you were going to be there. And make sure. Um, what does it communicate to a child who sits alone, waiting for friends who he or she were, were, were sure, they were told, were coming to their party, but then they don't show up or they show up extremely late? Um, young professionals, don't wait until the last minute to accept or decline an offer from someone to hang out. 
So if somebody sends you something like, hey, what you doing? You want to, you want to get together? You want to do this thing? Respond to that person. When the person asks you to get together, as soon as you're able to know if you're able, <laughs> as soon as you're able to know, I know it's not always on the spot, but let somebody know. Do not wait around. Do not wait around to see if there's a better offer coming your way. Like, don't do that. Um, don't wait in hopes that, well, maybe something, you know, you have FOMO, right? Like fear of missing out. Like, well, well maybe, maybe something better will come along. So I'm just going to kind of stall and wait. Um, people aren't dumb. People aren't dumb. They know when you're stringing them along. They know when you're kind of holding out and giving them an answer. Um, and it damages your relationship with that person. It's harmful. Because people go, well, you know, every time I ask this person to do something, like they kind of they ghost me for a little bit, and then eventually they get back to me at the last second, but then it's an inconvenience. And, they, and, and it just hurts your relationship. Um, say yes or say no, <laughs> but commit to something. Like, like just commit to something, one way or the other. If you're the corporate type, um, or, or, or you're in a, a corporate type office environment, Know your limits before taking on projects that you know will cause you to not be able to keep your commitments personally and professionally. Um, learn, learn, to, learn to say no. Learn, learn to know your own limits. Um, knowing your limits is the key to preventing burnout and flakiness in the workplace. I heard another Bible teacher um, who was describing his own struggle with being flaky. He said this. He said, It would be better and more honoring to you as a person created in God's image to tell you no, rather than to give you a false yes. I'll say that again. It would be better and more honoring to another person created in God's image to tell them no, rather than to give them a false yes. Um, Church, we've got to get better at this. (laughs) Um, We need God's grace to to do this. Um, Not living in truth negatively affects our Christian community. It negatively affects our, our community as Christians. Uh, the second point on our mission statement here at Crossroads, it says, growing together as a family. We will be unable, church, unable to live that out if we do not live in truth with one another. A lack of truth and a lack of integrity damages our community. It causes hurt. It causes division. And, and it's not going to move us towards, towards what we say we're about. Um, here's, here's some examples. What if the people, if you're in a growth group, think about the people in your growth group. What if you're in a growth group with people who could not be trusted to do what they said they're going to do? They tell you that they're going to do something, but they don't follow through. And that, and, and, and that was the people that, that you were like in community with. Think about what that would do. What if people on our serving teams, um, people that serve here at Crossroads, whether it's, whether it's people that serve inside the walls of the church uh, with our kids or First Impressions or Worship and Production or our, our middle and high schoolers, um, or people that serve outside the church in the community, like, what, what if people on our serving teams were unreliable? What if they weren't able to hold up their commitments? Um, not because things happen. Like, we know things happen. But just kind of on the regular, just that that was a habit. Um, what would that do to those ministries that they serve in? What if leaders in our church, um, myself, Pastor Will, our ministry leaders, council, our deacons, what if we were known to be flaky? What if it was just like, yeah, those, those guys are flaky? <laughs> Or that team is flaky, or those group, that group of leaders, they're, they're flaky. Um, we can't trust them to follow through on what they say they're going to do. What would that do to our community? You see, for the Christian community, Jesus is warning against the breakdown that's coming if we don't let our yes be yes and our no be no. He's warning us against that. Um, 
to, to kind of wrap up, Jesus had authority to speak these words, church. He had authority to speak these words because he let his yes be yes. Jesus let his yes be yes. Have you ever thought about it that way? Like he let his yes be yes. He went to the cross to complete the mission that his father had given him when it would have been really easy to say no. But he let his yes be yes. And when Jesus said, it is finished, and when he breathed his last breath, he meant those words. He wasn't doing this. He meant them. And when he promises us eternal life, if we'll place our faith in him, when he makes us that promise and, and, and extends that gift to us, we can know he's telling the truth and that he will deliver on his promises. In fact, church, you could say our entire faith rests on our trust in God to keep his promises. One pastor even said it this way. One pastor, pastor said, I could not be a Christian if I didn't think God kept his promises. Our God's a God who knows how much a lie can hurt. He knows how much betrayal can cost. And all the while, he remains a God of truth. This is why the kingdom life church, the kingdom life is a life of truth. There's no other life. You can have the kingdom life today. You can turn away from your sins. The Bible calls that repentance. It just means doing a 180, turning away from your sins, and by trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you're already a Christ follower and you're listening today, then your prayer should be for the Holy Spirit to empower you to live a kingdom life of truth. Uh, because we cannot do it on our own. We do not. We, our best efforts fail at this. Um, just, just look around. They do. Um, but we should pray for the Holy Spirit to empower us. You guys know each week here at Crossroads, we, we take communion. Um, we, we, we take the Lord's Supper communion. And one thing that I was thinking about as I prepared this is that each time we take communion, we are reminded that God keeps his promises. We are reminded that our God is a God of truth. Um, communion is a time for us to also reflect on Christ's yes being yes. Jesus' yes was yes, and we remember it every time we take of the bread and the cup. Um, his yes was yes when his body was broken. His yes was yes when his blood was spilled. And communion is a time for those who are followers of Jesus um, to come up and, and, and to receive the bread and the cup. And so in just a moment, as the band uh, comes up, as the band begins to play, um, if you're a follower of Jesus today, I'll ask you to, to, to come and to receive the bread and the cup. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus or you're not sure about all this, um, let me just invite you to take the next moment to just consider the words of Jesus, consider what you just heard, and to simply observe as followers of Jesus come up to worship Christ and to remember what he's done for them by the taking of communion. And so church, when you're ready, um, the band's going to come up and play, and we will um, take of the bread and the cup.